1: the world is getting to see and accept that he is and should be a superstar in this league. No,
2: oh, 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 superstar. What? That's a little far
0: fetched uh, there, guy.
1: Yeah. After those Madison Square Garden performances and taking out Philadelphia 76ers and they may very well win this series. He's a superstar if he gets this team to
2: the Ooh, <laughs> to cool. the conference finals. Yo, what's good everybody? Welcome to Unfair Sports, where we take a pensive approach to the sports conversation. I'm your host Jay, my co-host Jimmy. We're gonna be diving into all kinds of sports and entertainment while entertaining you while talking about sports. So make sure you uh, rate us and review us and give us five stars. You don't think we deserve it? Let's go ahead and give us five anyway. Gift it. Gift it. So on today's episode of Unfair got a whole bunch of uh, questions around here did dallas choke did uh, philly choke portland choked but what are they gonna do next and tennessee what exactly are the titans now that they have julio jones make sure you hit us up on the unfair fan line 430-901-1906 and uh, leave us a message and Give us feedback on the show. Uh, we'd love to hear from the fans. You can give us your analysis. We will let you know if it's on point or if it's not. So give us your strongest opinions at 430-901-1906. Jam Master 3J was going on. What it do, baby? I just really love that Kawhi Leonard statement when he said that. I don't know why. It's uh, It's silly. He spoke. He spoke. He said words. What it do, baby? (laughs) I don't know why I love it so much. Because that's the thing. He doesn't. That's like the happiest
1: he's ever been. Was right after you won a championship. You can say just about anything after winning a championship, and it, you know, it it sounds good. You feel good saying it.
2: Yeah, it's true. And people don't actually, uh, really criticize you for it. They kind of, you know, laugh and giggle around. It's like, haha, it's Tom Brady, Tom Brady
1: said the exact same thing. When you win, when you win a championship, you can say whatever you want, and what can
2: what can anybody say to you? Nothing. I mean. I mean, technically it depends on if you know what laws you may I mean, be breaking. Not, but come on, not you no know, beard, that, mustache, not that bull kind of stuff. I'm, I mean, I just, can't you, be like you know, you know things. <laughs> I thought of some examples that I can't. say yeah. yeah don't don't, don't here, say those nah. examples. Just to pretend like yeah, no. But yeah. Yeah, I can I can definitely agree that when you win a championship, people are a little bit more uh, laxed on criticisms of anything you say. You get so a lot. You can be as lie. goofy as you want to be. You right. can be as nerdy as weird mm-hmm. as you want to be. Just don't be too wild because people will um, get mad at you for being too wild. But speaking of being wild, Jimmy, shall we start off? Let's do it with this. Boy, oh boy. The NBA playoffs this year, I got to give Matt props. Start off pretty solid. We got the elimination of the king. We have the emergence of young stars. We had a battle with a team that seems to now have beef. As it seems like this is, I mean, it's two years in a row that they faced each other and it actually went a little bit of a distance. And we got a new uh, MVP that will win MVP. Just growing even more in front of us even though he's Mm. technically 27 years old but anyway my point is the youth movement is still great I did a video about it a few weeks ago as well as you know on the pod I exerted it as a video and really talk about the young players and how we have no worries when it comes to the league this year Mm -hmm. uh, in the future we really have a nice nucleus of players that have already risen to the top of the star to superstar spectrum that now we can be so excited about and the good thing is is that was it four of them are still in the playoffs right now yes so it it appears that we're gonna we're gonna have a lot to really talk about over the next few years and i'm just happy that the nba is in a good place we really need this, especially once a new TV deal comes in. We got to have a reason to truly tune in. And the talent is spread out. We've got, you know, a new mix of teams moving into the second round—from Atlanta to Philadelphia. I mean, the Clippers have been there the last few years, but the Suns. I mean, wow, the Suns. Did you ever thought you'd say the Suns was gonna be in the second round of playoffs? No, you did not. You did not at all. Uh, we knew the Bucks were gonna make it. The Nets are now kind of new-ish, but we've got a good set of games. So. Jimmy, we're going to start off with talking about the Game 7 that we were given on Sunday night that honestly was a little bit anti No lie. It just was not what we expected out of it. So with that, I'm going to ask you this. Is it fair or unfair to say this, Jimmy? Luka Doncic choked in that game. Is that fair or unfair to say? It would be completely
1: unfair because you don't choke when you've been carrying your team the entire series. And in a closeout game, either way, you have 46 points and 14 assists. If anybody, and I hate to say choked, but if anybody didn't perform up to the level at which they needed to in order to not get beaten by 15 points in a game seven, it was his number two and his number three. His number two, Tim Hardaway, had 11 points. I believe the majority of those came in the first half. And Chris Stapp's Porzingis, who's being paid like he's supposed to be, is number two had, what do you have, 16 points, but was 0 of 5 from 3. And a lot of those were open three-pointers because in the second half, right on cue, Luka was getting double and triple teamed at times, or trapped. The entire defensive scheme was around him. So they didn't step up for him, neither did the bench. They had six points from the entire bench of the Dallas Mavericks as opposed to 27 points from the Clippers. So if you're looking to find out who choked this game seven away – then you have to look elsewhere from Luka Doncic because
2: it definitely was not him. I'm 100% on that same bandwagon as you. There's nothing about Luka that says choked, as some people. Nobody, nobody's really saying it. It's kind of more of a question I want to pose because I really want to point out how unfair it is that certain players that perform like Luka did they expect all the weight on your shoulders and they expect you to do even more with it on your shoulders. Mm -hmm. Like the expectations behind Luca, I mean, Luca put up 46 and 14. That means that 14, there's 14 scores that, that Mm -hmm. happened with him and his assists, Mm -hmm. which could equate to a minimum of 28 points, if not more. Right. So he was everywhere doing everything you could expect from a player of his caliber. But let's add to that though. He has ascended himself to, I put it like this. He has basically signed up for the legendary plan. And let me explain what that means by the legendary plan. All right. Luca did something that really only the greats do. They put up these type of numbers while being doubled and triple teamed to carry their team as far as possible. Every game that they played technically on the road, but it didn't feel like it was really a road game because the Clippers didn't have as many fans in their games as other teams did. They Mm -hmm. felt like they were a little bit more conservative as far as allowing fans in there. And when they did that, when the Mavericks were in L.A., Tim Hardaway Jr. dropped, what, 21 in the first game and 28 the second game. Mm -hmm. Everybody was contributing, everybody on that team. But then when they got to Dallas, what happened? They've got to play basketball. right? They couldn't contribute. They weren't making shots. So I say that Luca took the legendary plan because Luca was producing every single game besides one. That was the game four. 31 in game one. 44 in game three. 42 in game five. 46 in game seven. Luca was finding ways to produce everything, but at the same time, he was running out of gas. Mm-hmm. This is a lie. LeBron James, Michael Jordan, Estique, Kobe Bryant situations where they put up all these points, but nobody else on the team is ready to produce. And so every year you keep getting eliminated early. That's what Luka has signed up for. He signed up for the, okay, I'm going to put you on my back and I'm going to do what I can to try to move us forward. But he's guaranteed to run out of gas every single playoff mm-hmm. series. So the Mavericks need to add to that legendary plan Add the perks to it. It's time to add the benefits that you would get from the legendary plan, which mm-hmm. is find him a comparable number two. Or even develop one in house. Get someone that is consistent with making shots to put just a little pressure off Luca because Luca handles the ball, he distributes the ball, he shoots the ball. Mm-hmm. He needs something out of that taken away. And if they can find a way to do that, that legendary plan will see out and he will end up being in the finals
1: okay well let's say we took out choking and we said who is the most to blame for this yes now you mentioned that luca has purchased the legendary plan yes and that you just mentioned him amongst the greats in terms of what he's facing as far as what well, lebron kobe and mj had to face in the playoffs where they were great but their their teammates and especially having a lack of a number two at that time yes. is a part of what kept them from the kind of success that in a sense they deserved because of how they played in that series but Being amongst those legends and being a part of that legendary plan, isn't there this little clause at the end of it that says, even despite playing great and having great numbers in a playoff series, if your team loses, the majority of the blame comes to you? Yes, it does.
2: Same thing with, um, well, this is what's funny is that, Damian Lillard didn't even sign up for the legendary plan. We'll talk about him a little bit more a little bit later. Right. But he didn't sign up for the legendary plan. He kind of signed up for the uh, all-star plan. <laughs> and somehow <laughs> is getting legendary benefits. Mm-hmm. Without that clause at the end. Without that you take the, the, the clause at the end. Exactly. Right. So, Luca's getting blamed for all of this. And rightfully so, he should. Because he is the head and shoulders of this team. Mm-hmm. But, I guess the context that we have to always add into this is... The Mavericks bench scored six points in that game. Mm. And everybody else had double-digit figures in the first, on the starting five, but they had 18, 11, 14, and 16. That's not something that's going to be conducive to winning in the NBA playoffs, Mm. especially playing against a team that includes Paul George and um, Kawhi Leonard. And you
1: mentioned him needing a number two, and there's somebody else who needs the exact same thing that we'll get to later. But it seems like getting a number two, like an all-star level number two, upon which who you can depend on, has become one of the more difficult things, or has become almost as equally as difficult as finding a star one. Yes. even nowadays, if you get that star one, as hard as that is, whether it's through free agency or through the draft, Then you got to work another however many years it takes to get an adequate number two. See, Scottie Pippen ruined basketball for a lot of people because everybody saw, I guess you could say he's the perfect example of what a number two is supposed to be. Yes. So everyone says, okay, how hard could it be? We don't want you to be a one. We just want you to be an adequate two. But what they forget is that Scottie Pippen is an all-time great player. So to draft an all-time great player to go with, one of the greatest of all time, maybe the greatest of all time, definitely the greatest in his era is extremely hard to do. So there are a lot of teams who say, if we just had that number two, if we just had that Pippin to our Jordan or that Robin to our Batman, we would be able to go further in the playoffs. But yet hardly nobody has that level of a number two. Only a
2: few teams do. Exactly. And and, and, and to be honest, I don't honestly know if that truly exists. I think you have to have a one A and a one B. You really can't have a two. We haven't seen anybody in the league produce a actual number two, I mean a true number two. Besides, I think the last time we probably seen it was what um, was was the Lakers with Kobe and Gasol. I mean a true like number two outside of like the Big Three era, because that's so, like. Leading I that don't. To I the don't side. think LeBron. So, I don't think LeBron Kobe was a one and two. Well, okay, I well, think it was a one a one b situation. Even though Wade was falling apart, I do feel like it was one well, I mean like in the big threes that we've had, how many of them have
1: actually been quality number twos that you could not only depend on, but depend on for years to come? Because you look at all right, LeBron in Cleveland when he had Kevin Love and Kyrie Irving. Kyrie Irving left. When he was in Miami, he had D. Wade and Chris Bosch. Chris D. Wade got old fast. Um
2: I mean, what are the other big threes? Okay, you had. I mean, you got to go to Golden State, right? Golden States. Well, Golden State's probably the only one. I'm. I'm. I'm my bad. I, that, now you so we we say Golden State. Clay then, is the perfect number two. Mm-hmm. But that's not even counting the Kevin Durant years, right? No, no, we can't so count. So we, somehow we don't include. There in is this discussion. no because uh, see that because technically that's one A one B with a right. that's s- right. row number two. Clay uh-huh. is that number two. Yeah. I like guess you technically would say yeah. because he doesn't require much, but he produces like freaking crazy mm-hmm. and he knows that he's going to get his bread. He doesn't mind all the other stuff. So yeah, that, that, mm-hmm. that's the, that's another, that's a conversation for another day. Let, let, let's yeah. table that and make that a, a de- in depth conversation. I need to do some research on that because I'm really curious about what those ones and twos do look like. That's a good uh-huh. one. But, uh, but let me ask you this then. Is it fair or unfair to say as we move more into this segment uh, into these teams that the Clippers have a chance to upset the Utah jazz. Oh, it's completely fair. I think on paper, this looks
1: like an incredibly difficult series for the Clippers in the sense that you come from a hard fought seven game series to now face the one seed on the road. Uh, One C that's been resting, that's been studying you, that's great on defense, very efficient on offense, well coached, and that they're the number one C for a reason. But when you look at the fact that most people would say the Clippers have the two best players in that series, then... I guess it increases the level of chance that they actually have, especially if Kawhi Leonard can not only stay healthy for this entire series, as he did against the Mavs, but to produce the types of games, especially the last two games of the Mavericks series, where he did carry that team on his back like a superstar is supposed to, then even with how good Utah has been this year, I think that when you take in the history of the playoffs, when you take a really good team up against a player who's just playing even as great as they are, almost greater than they've ever played before, that player always finds a way generally to beat that team. Right. So that's what they're looking at. Um, There's a lot to be confident in with the Jazz, but I think that Kawhi has hit a second gear that he hasn't hit, I mean, what, since Toronto, which is only a few years ago, but still you saw what that led to.
2: Exactly. Well, Mm -hmm. i say he did that last year as well in this series. Mm -hmm. Uh, He hit that second gear to get Dallas out. Of the playoffs, and then he had a little bit of that going into that three one lead against Denver, and then the wheels fell off mm-hmm. at a certain point. Which that's where I think that it's not it's unfair to even say that. That it, to make it, it, that we I, we shouldn't we should not give the Clippers the benefit of the doubt, being the fact that they're now in the second round and the team has never won a second round series ever. That is true. So I'm going to say Utah wins this series. I'm Mm. calling Utah to win this series right now. I'm going to say Utah wins it in six. The only reason why I'm calling it six is going to be a battle. I don't see the Clippers staying together Mm. physically before the series ends.
1: Well, I mean, it could be that. I think that as I look at teams and and as I've looked at teams throughout this playoffs, it's, it's almost like we were just talking about ones and twos. I look at the threes. Because teams are supposed to be about evenly matched when you get to this level of the playoffs. Right. So let's say the top two players, well, they'd have to be the top two players. Actually, no. I was going to say the top two are Gobert and Mitchell, but they did have a third all-star somehow in Mike Conley. But I don't think he's the third best player, honestly, on this team. I think it's uh, Bogdanovich. So let's say. I think the third one is Jordan Clarkson. Maybe Jordan Clarkson. Okay, But, right. but i by get, but I get you with Bob right. So let's say Gobert does what he does and does it well. Let's say Donovan Mitchell does as well. Let's say we get Kawhi and Paul George performing the way that they know how. That could easily be a bit of a wash, and it should. They should go back and forth between this team's two best players and the other team's two best players. Then it comes down to, okay, who is each team's third best player and what does that matchup looks, look like in terms of their productivity? So then it would be Jordan Clarkson versus – if you take the last two games of the Clippers-Mavs series, their, their third best player was Reggie Jackson somehow, who he they put, put up in. The, a,
2: he put a fifteen last game.
1: Yeah. So then you look at who's going to win the matchup out of those two. Two, just like I talked about the Nets-Bucks series, when it comes down to okay, who's the third option? Kyrie Irving versus, we'll say Chris Middleton. Yeah. Who's going to outperform the other? That's what this series is going to come down to, just like that one. I'm with you on that. I can see that. Mm-hmm. So, so you pick. You, I'm going to say you say Utah in six. I'm going to again. Stick with have to on stick a hope and a, a prayer course. what I've done all season long, which is the Clippers getting to the finals and winning. So I have to pick them to win this series. I say this is going to be another seven game series for them.
2: All right. I'm, I'm, I'm there for it. Well, I'm there for it. What we do here on uh, Unfair Sports every single Monday when Jimmy's around is the news.
0: And now, Jimmy has the news.
2: Uh, Thank you,
1: Wendy. All right, so, Jay, uh, other fans of an SEC team, not named Alabama fans, uh, feel a certain way today. Just when you thought the reign of Nick Saban was hopefully going to end soon, he signs a contract extension with the Alabama Crimson Tide, keeping him as head coach through the 2028 season after already having won five championships with this college program. Um... Will Saban stay there till the end of this 2028 contract? I don't care I don't know
2: man damn can he leave can he just leave so I mean I get that you felt like you needed to talk about this but you've totally on your solos you do news you could have done it then why do you need to remind me that my SEC conference will continuously have Alabama? So there's no chance for my volunteers to ever prosper. I hate you. It didn't occur to me
1: as I was give, until I was giving that opening that you are a Tennessee fan and that this must really suck for you. So ain't going nowhere. I while I don't apologize for that because I didn't do anything. I just report the news. I'm just a messenger. Um, still, maybe <laughs> uh, maybe Josh Heupel can. Figure out the curse of Saban. So, what else is next? What else? Uh, uh, all right. outside of Saban signing through 2028 20, for the next seven years. Thanks for the reminder, Jimmy. Um, Please keep there reminding was, us. <laughs> uh, so, there was a major uh, exhibition bout last night in the world of well, in some world of boxing, maybe not necessarily traditional professional boxing, between Logan Paul and Floyd Mayweather in Miami. Um, <laughs> the fight did go the distance. There were no judges, no scorecards, etc not sure exactly therefore who may have won the fight but um my question to you is for logan paul floyd mayweather said he's not going to do another one of these again but we know he will if the money is right who should logan paul fight next like given the kind of opponents that he's been able to fight in these types of matchups I've got two, but who do you think
2: he should fight next? I saw, uh, I think his brother Jake was talking noise to Canelo Alvarez. I would love for the Canelo <laughs> Alvarez to go ahead and just fight Logan Paul in an actual fight. Uh-huh. Uh, refs, scorecards, and everything. I want to see if he can survive. Okay, I
1: would say either because again, you have to think like who are what type of businessman in some type of boxing or combat sport would be all for this, and I think Conor McGregor would definitely be one. I think he would definitely get him into this, especially since Floyd just did it, and all the money that he and Floyd make so like I said, if the money was right for Floyd which it was, or else he wouldn't be in this the money would be right for Conor McGregor, him or Mike Tyson, who's also already done an exhibition bout albeit against, who was that he fought, Roy Jones Jr but I think with the opportunity to fight Logan Paul, who's around 200 pounds I think he would go for that, because weight in these doesn't matter, Floyd was like 155 Logan Paul was like 198,
2: right and he, the cooking.
1: Yep, yeah, so mark my words, it's going to be McGregor or Tyson at some point. All right. Well, all right. So lastly, uh, Aaron Rodgers, despite having divided the fans with his uh, standoff with the organization, according to Mark Murphy, the president, it uh, says that he is unlikely to attend training camp, which starts tomorrow for the Green Bay Packers. So, Jay, do you think he
2: actually shows up, or do you think he doesn't show up? I don't think that he shows, and he's just going to be fined every day for like $38,000 a day for not being there, and he's just going to accept it. He's made so much money, and at a certain point, he's going to go ahead and just write them a check, and he's going to walk away from the game. I'm kidding, but I don't really—I don't think he's going to show up, and he's as much as he's going to try to muscle his way through this, he's not going to win this. The team has zero obligation to get rid of him. They have zero purpose of getting rid of him. Why would they send him to a team and watch him basically win a Super Bowl? Right.
1: The only way that changes is if he comes out publicly and says that he will no longer he will no longer play for this team. He hasn't done that yet, even in the Kenny Main interview. So I think there's still a chance. Ideally he shows up or at least presents himself in Green Bay to try to work this out face to face as business colleagues should, but I don't think he shows up tomorrow. Now, maybe the camp after this, I think he probably does. But this one, he's not going to show up.
2: Oh no, I agree. He's going to have to pull a Carson Palmer, literally put a for sale sign out there in front of his house and not show up. Period. If he doesn't pull a Carson Palmer and retire and say that I'm not going to play. But the problem is with that, he's still going to write that $25 million check. Yep. Is that it? That's it. It's news. And that. Was Jimmy with the news. Thank you, Bob. Yeah. Could you imagine writing a check for $25 million? I can imagine it. (laughs) (laughs) Ain't never going to happen. All
1: right, Jay. um, We finally, speaking of resolutions in the NFL, we finally had a resolution to the saga between star wideout Julio Jones and the Atlanta Falcons. And that is the Atlanta Falcons Yesterday, Sunday, agreed to trade Julio Jones to the Tennessee Titans Along with a 6th round pick In exchange for a 2nd round pick A 4th round pick And some salary cap relief, we'll say Which was the driving force behind this deal So now Julio Julio ends up in Tennessee With Ryan Tannehill uh, Star running back Derrick Henry And A.J. Brown on offense Not quite sure who plays defense for that team But for which team? Uh, for the Tennessee Titans, maybe really, for, for the Falcons too, outside of Grady Jarrett. But anyhow, anyway, not here nor there. All right, so now that he's in Tennessee and we have a resolution to this, you know, smart by the Falcons to trade him the AFC. Uh,
2: is it fair or unfair now to call the Tennessee Titans a legit AFC contender? I oh, it's one hundred percent unfair. I mean, the AFC has still got Patrick Mahomes there, right? Yes. So. So, do me a favor, Jimmy. I want you to think hard. I'm going to give you a minute while I go through my spiel. But I want you to think about this. This It's one question I have for you. Okay. Name me a high-end wide receiver that has helped a team win a championship. So, I'll let you think about that. So, um, as I'm going through this and pondering with this trade, I don't see them any more of a contender than they already were. They were the exact same team. Well, for the most part, they probably added a few other pieces. But now you have A.J. Brown with Julio Jones – Co- and with Derrick Henry in the back, mm-hmm. but their quarterback is still Ryan Tannehill. And Ryan Tannehill is very serviceable for what he does, but teams were quick to expose him later on in the playoffs and limiting him from what he's able to truly do. Which is, if you stop Derrick Henry and force him to throw the ball constantly, then what? Mm-hmm. That he's not. He's not. He he needs that play action in order to really get teams off throw teams off That that's kind of like seems like the strategy that they have and so I'm not here to say that Tannehill's not a good quarterback I think he's a he is a serviceable quarterback but he's not going to be enough especially with a guy little guys like Julio Jones and AJ Brown out there two really to really just make a difference that means they have to throw the ball a lot and that takes away from the one guy that got them 2,000 yards rushing in the season mm-hmm. I don't think it helps that much because mm-hmm. wide receiver was not their problem
1: yeah uh, to answer your question, from my memory, uh, post-Jerry Rice, I can't think of one. <laughs> <laughs> I exactly. I am probably miss. I have to be missing somebody, but I can't think of one. The
2: closest thing they had was um, Randy Moss. When he was with Tom Brady. They went undefeated, went to the Super Bowl, but they lost. They lost. That's the only one I can think of that actually led a team to – that helped lead a team to the Super Bowl, but this team had already been to the Super Bowl, but this was an undefeated season. So that's the closest thing I've seen to. Hmm. Okay. Well, <laughs> T. O. to Philadelphia as well. They before lost. that, they, they lost. They lost. Now, did
1: you say lead a team to the Super Bowl or actually win it?
2: Oh, well, I was asking you win it, but I want to give they some lost. examples of leading to it as well. In which mm-hmm. that's literally which the only Julio helped
1: to do that before, right? In the when they went against Tom Brady and blew a twenty-eight three lead.
2: Well, yeah, I'm. I meant more so being traded, and then leading their team there. Oh, being traded, then leading a team yes. there? Yes. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? like, no. So we're shifting these wide receivers around. Mm-hmm. They don't really do much to
1: get you really moving well, like that. Here's the thing. To be an AFC contender, quote-unquote, you have to be, I would say, amongst the top three, top four teams in the AFC. So when you look at the Tennessee roster, as good as they now look on offense, if you look at Julio like prime Julio, instead of injured with a hamstring through most of last season Julio, right? then they're still honestly probably not better than the Kansas City Chiefs, the Baltimore Ravens, the Buffalo Bills, and the Cleveland Browns, who might actually be the second-best team or at least have the second-best roster in the AFC. So that puts them at about five or six, which is good. You can make the playoffs. You can actually make a, the second round of the playoffs. But yeah. to beat those teams, especially since they're struggling to have a legitimate pass rusher, a legitimate you know dominant linebacker, and I'm not sure exactly – I think they have one guy in the secondary who's elite, maybe two, but I can't think of who they are. That's not going to be enough to overcome these teams unless your plan is to score 40 points a game and just outscore them. So no, as much as I would love to say, because I'm a Julio fan, I like A.J. Brown, really like Derrick Henry, even Ryan Tannehill, from what he was in Miami to what he's been able to do uh, in Tennessee so far, which includes one AFC championship, Yep, albeit um, they aren't a contender quite yet. They're going to win their division, but they're not a contender.
2: I'm with you on that. And so, yeah, looking at this, Julio now being gone from Atlanta, cap-wise, we were talking about this pre-production, and I forgot to just go to over the cap and look at the number. Right. They have ways that you can look at uh, predictions or whatnot. Pretty awesome. So trade post-June 1, Julio Jones' dead money is only $7.7 mil with mm-hmm. $15 million in savings. His cap number this year is $23 million. Right. So that's a good thing for Atlanta, of course, now that they can actually pay their rookies, which obviously means they did a horrible job managing their salary cap. <laughs> if they weren't able to sign rookies because of that. But at the same time, remember, Julio Jones has gotten like four contract extensions, I believe. I mean, maybe a little hyperbole there, but I do think that he's got an extension every year since he's been there mm-hmm. because everybody else keeps getting extensions. Like everybody, every time a wide receiver gets an extension, Julio Jones gets a restructure. <laughs> and I know you hate that. You hate oh, that. my, I, there's one thing that I have a high end disdain for is that if you sign a contract that's worth three years coming back that year one and saying you want another extension. Year one. Okay. Yeah. That, and that's that, it. That's fair. If you that go, if you're at year two, knowing one, you're negotiating to year three. That's no biggie. But if you just signed the contract in that same year, you're like, hey, I need to renegotiate this again. Mm-hmm. It's like, what? Wait, what, what word word? But Yeah. It feels, it feels like every year they were restructuring and redoing his deal uh, to make sure that he's the highest paid guy or whatnot. Right. That's what it, you know, it's felt like. So it's like, um, okay. That's kind of what we do. <laughs> I don't know. So anyway, uh, with that, Looking at <laughs> uh, this move, um, is is there? I guess the the question I have to ask behind that is like, is AJ Brown like the best recruiter in the NFL? Well, I mean,
1: who else has he recruited besides Julio Jones? Well,
2: I mean, that's really it. That's
1: really it. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm gonna. I mean, I mean, maybe it could be the start of something. Maybe. I mean, hopefully, he can recruit some some defensive players to come in and help him out because that would really put him over the top. But yeah, I mean, he looked at this offense. He said, all right, I lost Corey Davis and I lost John O. Smith. Um, not only do I not want to get double covered, but I don't want to always have to constantly face the number one cornerback. And this is something that he mentioned. He was talking about this. He said, when me and Julio out there, you know, in terms of the number one cornerback, they're going to have to, you know, we're not going to, I'm not going to always face the number one cornerback. Sometime it'll be the number two. And whoever of us faces the number two cornerback is going to eat all day long. It's basically what he was saying. So he was already thinking about having to face the number one cornerback for every team, 17 games this season, including the playoffs. If they get there.
2: I mean, of course he's supposed to, because he's freaking AJ Brown. He had a ridiculous last two seasons. Last year was just unreal how he emerged. So yeah, he's, definitely going to see that but him being younger than julio being older i think that's going to truly help because this is going to probably if anything help julio's career more than it is aj's in my opinion because julio's older aj's younger more of the pressure is still going to be on aj and julio's going to be able to do some things and actually hopefully yeah. catch a touchdown in the red zone i mean they'll be, that's what i was thinking the exact same thing <laughs> but i mean hope but they know that the cornerstone of this offense
1: is derrick henry so more of it more of the load is still going to be on his shoulders julio jones just helps him to
2: face one less player in the box, which is usually all he needs, which I think the biggest problem with this deal for me for Tennessee. And this is me just kind of being nitpicky about it. Right. They lost John. They lost Corey Davis. They add one receiver who is going to be someone that they have to pay. People to pay attention to Yeah, kind of because Julio's older and he did not play all season last year, he played only nine games. Who else is going to help take pressure off Derrick Henry? They need another tight end. No, they don't. Yeah, they do. That's what you have. No, AJ Brown and Julio themselves will take pressure off of him. I don't think so. I don't. I don't see it because why were they not? Well, they had AJ Brown and Corey Davis and Johnu Smith, so it really gave gave versatility. Is because the the, the 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 routes the tight end runs a lot different than they've got tight Gary, ends. who? They they still got tight ends. They nobody do? that you know. On the nobody roster? that. I, they have tight ends on the roster. That have caught who, as, many, as much as Johnu Smith has? They're not going to do that because he's a, he's a really good athlete.
1: <laughs> oh, okay, okay. We should not say that they're not. I think
2: that's the power of the tight end. Some no. tight ends make a difference. Like the Patriots, their offense was, was built around tight ends. I think mm-hmm. that that makes a difference for a quarterback of oh. Tannehill's caliber. Okay, so
1: you said that in the playoffs, what teams do is stack the box against Derrick Henry and force Ryan Tannehill to throw the ball. Our team's going to want to do that with A.J. Brown and Julio Jones on the outside. Are they still going to want to leave them single cover just to stack the box against Derrick Henry? Let's I don't see, think so. Let's
2: see how healthy Julio Jones is. And Remember, right. he's in his 30s, and he was hurt last year. Yes, he was. That True. usually is a trend with older players, and it's not really their fault. It's just mm. that the human body has its limits.
1: And I think to that point, he can't come in there wanting 100 to 120 targets. That's has- the biggest
2: one. Yes, mm. yes. He has to be okay with being a two. Being, being catching 60 catches this year yes if he can if he's okay with getting 60 I do think they have a good chance but leo likes his money <laughs> <laughs> and you got to make it worth it for him mm-hmm. so the Portland trailblazers were of course eliminated by the Denver nuggets even with the heroics of dame lillard putting up absurd numbers like he seems to always do. and As I mentioned before, Mm -hmm. he definitely bought the all-star package and ascended into legendary status without having the, uh, the asterisk that you mentioned on there (laughs) being blamed because it seems like there's not much Dame slander and it's more so he needs help. And that's the same thing with Luca. And that's the same point to make with Luca is that Luca needs help. Dame needs help. Teams need help. And everybody needs that number two, Mm -hmm. Or they need another a 1A and a 1B type scenario. Right. So, Jimmy, we are now here at the spot where the Portland Trailblazers are at the house, chilling just like us, and they need to make a determining factor. They need to make a decision now and decide if they want to build around uh, Dame Lillard heavily or potentially trade them. And I'm going to talk about the trading portion, which I'm going to tell everybody why that doesn't make any sense on their part. But let's ask this question, Jimmy. Okay, Is it fair or unfair to say that the Portland Trailblazers' job for this new head coach as the head coach is gone is a bad job
1: it is a bad job it's fair to say that only because it's an unstable job only because you don't know exactly what type of headspace Damian Lillard's gonna be in in terms of how long he's going to want to be there because this sort of thing these sort of first round exits underperforming um you know matching what he is able to produce on the court you know which is greatness just like Luka Doncic that's not gonna change before multiple reasons that I might get into. That's not going to change. So I can't coach a team and I don't know exactly how committed the star player is, especially in the era uh, in the NBA of not only player mobility, but forced player mobility. Right. Where if a player wants they wear out of town, they can find a way out of town. So in that sense, I think that it is a bad job, not because it's a bad team, not at all. They're a playoff team, but It's not a job you can be comfortable in because your success as a coach and therefore your reputation is going to be tied to not only having your star there, but how happy they are, how well it seems as though you communicate with that star. So if Dame is already sending cryptic tweets saying not saying, but wanting to say what he, I guess, in a sense doesn't want to say (laughs) he wants you to figure it out for yourself, I guess. Or he just doesn't want to say it outright. That's not a good sign in terms of how committed he is to this organization. So, like Jason Kidd, I would withdraw my name from consideration for that job, too.
2: Which is fascinating that Jason Kidd would withdraw his name from that. I don't, I think, this, this, here's my thing with the, when it comes to. The trade, yes. There are players that have gone out with the uh, trade me because I want to leave type scenario. Um, Damian Lillard doesn't have a leg to stand on with that. He just signed that massive extension which kicked in this season. He's got four years under his belt. He ain't going nowhere. Portland Mm. will keep him and basically say, okay, if you don't want to play, you don't have to, but we're not going to get rid of you because uh, here's the other problem. If they trade Damian Lillard, where are they going to send him that – would actually be beneficial for them. They can't send them to the Lakers because they have no assets. Can't send them to the Clippers. They don't have any assets. So if you, and then what about Golden State? They don't really have any assets either, and it doesn't make sense to send him to that team. So mm. the teams that you could really see Damian Lillard at, there's not really any place that has the capital to afford a guy. You remember what Paul George fetched. Paul George and Anthony Davis fetched, I mean, a King's bounty. I mean, they they got all kinds of stuff. Oklahoma City is up to their ears in <laughs> draft picks. <laughs> right. Same thing with uh, even the Pelicans. So... What can you get for a Dame Lillard that a team was willing to give up that Dame would want to go play for? That's the biggest thing too. What team needs a, a point guard of his size and caliber and would will be willing to take him over what they currently have? There's not very many. There's a lot of young guards out there. I mean, if you really think about it, most of the, 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 the key players in the league right now are point guards. So where can you send him that they will become a contender and actually win him games that will make sense? It's not very many choices, especially because of what his contract looks like. Now, when he has the option of leaving, just like with Paul George and the Anthony Davis situa- situation is, um Paul George heard that they were tra- they were offering him up on the back end and was like, oh, okay, well, that's cool. I'm just not going to sign an extension, so you may as well ship me where I want to go, uh-huh. and that's basically why he went out because he only had a year left. Anthony Davis is like, oh, I'm not going to sign an extension, so if you want to be smart – You want to get something for me? Send me to L.A. If not, it's cool. I'm going to stay and play. But guess what? I ain't coming back. And you'll end up like Oklahoma City did when when, uh, Kevin Durant left. So you're saying Dame's biggest problem was that he signed that extension. Oh, yeah. He made a mistake signing that extension. He should have waited. I understand the generational wealth mindset behind that because that was 190-something mil on that extension. And so he's getting that big chunk. Totally get you. Totally get that. But you're a player that's guaranteed to get that just about anywhere you go, right? No different than like Hawaii Leonard is doing with the Clippers. He can't get the biggest deal with them for another year or two because he needs to be there longer to get the designated player contract, blah, 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 and get the big big percentage, the cap. Dame could have done that because just about anybody would take him Mm. and do that. But he has to find a place to stay. So then so you would take this Portland coaching job? If you yeah, to, I would. Mm-hmm. I would. The biggest problem is right now is what is Neil, o, Neil O'Shea Shea is going to do as far as getting him players. Now, this is what he said. He said that we are eighty percent of our starting lineup under contract and returning absolutely. He's talking about Lillard, Nurkic, McConnell, and Covington. So basically, they're looking at the exact same result they got last year mm-hmm. with this type of setup. So to me, the one thing that the Blazers are going to have to do is. The unfortunate piece of breaking up their backcourt and shipping CJ McCollum out because he is the only asset they have that would attract Mm. a caliber player that they could use. And also with that, they're probably going to have to send out probably a couple of draft picks with him and to get somebody, uh, get back somebody that would be able to help uh, Damian Lillard. Mm. That's it. That's basically all you've got going on in Portland. Mm. You're going to have to ship out uh, McConnell. I mean CJ 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 McCollum CJ McCollum. Apologies. That that's the thing that only thing that they really got going for themselves. So yes, I would take the job because the 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 front office and ownership has always shown that they're willing to a spend money and b move pieces around. Right. But you're just gonna have to find the right piece and hope that it will uh, lead to some victories. I think if they had some different coaching, probably would help because Terry's been there forever. Mm-hmm. He just got to a point where you know nine years. Mm. This same is, voice this is the best that your coaching
1: style and your coaching just like brad do. stevens
2: at a certain point huh. people don't hear the players don't hear you the same it's always the same stuff because we, we're we all creatures of habit right and because we're creatures of habit at this point it's probably a better idea for them to get somebody to give them a new voice new perspective and possibly even a new work ethic don't know mm. do you think that uh do you think that uh um, portland's gonna who, who do you think portland should trade to to help this man out.
1: I mean, I agree with you. I would say that honestly anybody on the roster outside of Dame Lillard can be included in a deal. Not that I would want to do that, not that I don't like those players cuz I think they have some they do have some good quality players around him. It's just that this formation of teams versus what you're going to face in the West is not going to be good enough in order to, you know, to beat the upper echelon of teams clearly. Now, they have that one Western Conference Finals appearance I think that was a couple of seasons ago, wasn't it?
2: Yep. Uh, against Golden State, mm-hmm. who probably swept them in that series. They did. They beat them
1: 4-0. Yeah, so it's almost like.
2: The running joke is, is that ever since Dame eliminated the Thunder, the Portland Trailblazers and the Thunder have won the exact same amount of playoff games. <laughs> and that was what? In 2017, when he eliminated the Thunder, mm-hmm. they have both won the exact same amount of playoff games in that in that space. Yeah. Three.
1: Yeah. So I mean, so as a coach, when I take a job, I want to be comfortable. I want to be secure, especially if I'm a first time coach and I really want to get this right or else I'm not going to get another opportunity outside of this. I want to know that the star is committed and taking a job like Portland, where it is so difficult to not only get free agents, but you're never going to get as long as you have a Dame Lily, you're never going to get a top five draft pick, top 10 draft pick. And a lot of times in most drafts, you only get about five or six players who can come in and make an immediate impact and do so for the foreseeable future. Everyone outside of that generally tends to be more in the role player type mode, right? which is,
2: you know, it's not bad. It's just that it won't elevate you above where you want to go. The, well, the saving grace for O'Shea there in Portland is they have been a competent front office. They, yeah. they, nothing about them has shown that they've been incompetent. Uh, I mean, CJ McCollum has been really good. He's just not an all-star caliber player. He's just really good at his job You got to find a way to either ship him out or, yeah, you got to ship him out in order to get somebody else. That's really all you got left. Oh, man. As Jimmy laughs. (laughs) We're going to wrap this up, put a little bit of a bow on it, and um, ask a question, Jimmy. Philadelphia 76ers took an L in the first game of the second round matchup that I honestly did not expect. And it has sold me on the notion of this. So, Jimmy, is it fair or unfair to say that Trey Young is starbound? Finally,
1: finally, and I say finally, we haven't had to wait very long. This is his third season. But finally, the world is getting to see and accept. That he is and should be a superstar in this league No,
2: oh, 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 superstar, what? that's a little
1: far-fetched uh, there, guy. Yeah, after those Madison Square Garden performances And taking out Philadelphia 76ers And they may very well win this series He's a superstar if he gets this team to the Ooh, <laughs> to boy. the conference finals Against the Bucks or the Nets So yeah, and I'm telling you why this is happening Because yes, we know his game is in a sense pattern after, after Steph Curry Right in that game, I mean, you see what you can do with that type of a game. Steph's already done in multiple championships, unanimous MVP. That's about the ceiling as far as what Trey Young's going to be able to do. But with that kind of game mixed with being a villain now and relishing that role, I I think that, and I said this is perfect for him, this is exactly what would separate him from just being looked at as a clone of Steph Curry and being able to make multiple all star games even after averaging 27 points, nine assists, and not getting selected to a team to play in a game that's in your own building, which is still one of the biggest travesties I've ever seen in the history of NBA All-Star games. But nonetheless, yeah, it's it's that, it's it's being a villain. People, you know, and you know this, Jay, just with the kind of movies that we've seen, you know, in terms of how villains are looked at differently in films now, especially superhero films, how they how people have become more interested in what the villain has to say and what their experiences are like and where they come from. So this would be the exact same thing with Trey. He's like the most, just like usual suspects. He's the least likely person you would think to be the, the bad guy at the very end, but that's what makes it so compelling because you would think it would be somebody else. So for that reason, because I think a lot of times star power and popularity is shaped and molded by reputation, him being a villain more so really than what
2: he's doing in the playoffs. That's what's going to get him there. Dang. I am. Um, I'm in. I'm in. I put like this. I do feel like we're throwing this superstar word out loosely. First, you got to make it to star level. And I think that now he's emerging to actually being a star. I don't see him as a top five player in this league. And I believe that if you're a superstar, you're top five in the league. Mm-hmm. I think that he can That's get fair. there. I think That's he fair. can get there. Yeah. But I don't. I, I think it's unfair to. I think it's fair to say that he is star bound. I think it's unfair to give him a superstar status yet. Let's see him. Pull a, pull a rabbit out of his hat this series or do this again next year. Cause I need to see some repetition. Like Luca, I can give Luca the going into the superstar status because the numbers he put up is a lot higher than what, what uh Trey has, even though the funny thing behind all of this is that there was a swap between Atlanta and Dallas. Yes. And of course these two are, all will be forever connected yes. because they swap picks And Trey Young is the only one that's in the second round so far. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Like, now, I mean, of course, you could try to potentially say that the East is a lot weaker than the West. Cool story. The Clippers did purposely try to play Dallas, it seems like, two years in a row. Maybe so. But you play with the cards that's dealt. You play what's right Mm -hmm. in front of you, and Trey Young is in the second round, and Luka's not. Mm Mm-hmm. So, I don't I wouldn't say that it's fair to say that Luca that, that Trey is better than Luka because I'm unfortunately going to take the 6769 guy over oh, every, every over, in the, NBA over the the 511 the one ish point guard even though I thoroughly appreciate Trey Young's game. Yeah. Trey Young shoots horribly all the time, but he shoots with so much conviction and confidence that it really don't matter. Because you still have to respect it, and I guess that's where the Steph Curry piece of it is. Steph Curry can have a really bad game, but you still got to respect the shot. Because if he makes one, he's gonna make two. He makes three. He's gonna make four. He's gonna make five. And it's not gonna come and stop. Right. With Trey Young, it's the exact same way, especially with him pulling up from the logo on a regular basis, and teams are like, we but, probably and, should defend that.
1: And you know, and I know this discussion has been Trey Young centric, but are you how impressed are you with the team around him with how they've been playing? Like Bogdanovich, Collins, Capella, they look. I don't know, Nate McMillan took over for this team, they look really well coached. coached. They, look, <laughs> they look very poised.
2: That's exactly what I was going to say. They look very well coached, and it's a bunch of role players with one star who basically runs the entire offense. Look, let me, let me put it to you like this: the Atlanta Hawks starting lineup. Are you ready? We're all negative plus minus. <laughs> Trey was a negative and plus minus. Really? Yes. He wow. was negative eleven. Capello's negative four. Uh Hill, Solomon Hill was negative ten. And then Collins was a negative twelve in this game. Okay, so in Embiid had 39 points, assists, you know, 10 rebounds. rebounds. How did
1: they win this game? How did they, how did they have the lead that they had throughout the majority of this
2: game? They opened the game up just blazing. Just <laughs> they weren't missing anything to start the game. And that's what you need in order to win this series. So I'm going to say this in this prediction for the series. I don't see Atlanta winning this series. I think Atlanta's going to give us a great fight. Mm-hmm. But there is a very small chance that this team shoots lights out like it did in this last game. Very slim chance that they continuously shoot this lights out. I don't know if I can buy in on Atlanta yet. I would love to buy in on Atlanta, but this team is also based in Georgia. And the thing that I've learned about teams <laughs> that are based in Georgia is that they have a tendency of floundering or disappearing or just 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 jizzing off the, the best the, the best situations that they have. This is not something that I can be sold upon until I see them prove no different than the Clippers. But mm. the exact same way about the Clippers going into the Western Conference finals, they've never made it past the second round. So I can't be sold on it with this Atlanta team. They have a tendency of doing really well. And then just falling off no different than the Hawks. The last time they made it to the Eastern Conference finals, they got swept. Yeah. Uh, so I struggle with putting my faith in teams that have not proven anything to me yet. Mm-hmm. Um, at least those that have proven to me that they have more of a tendency of, of fumbling the bag than they do actually securing
1: it. Well, by that same note, what makes you so confident in the 76ers? Like, what is this version of the 76ers ever done to convince anybody?
2: Their team has won a championship in the last 100 years. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, the, the the 76ers haven't done anything super drastic to basically fumble the bag. I put it like that. Like like give me something mm. that they've done that they, they that, that was a bag fumble. Like I mean, you had this oh, and then all of a sudden you fell apart. Because you remember the Eagles won a Super Bowl a couple years ago beating mm-hmm. the goat. Mm-hmm. so I feel like that Philadelphia, that energy around Philadelphia isn't that oh we're going to get there and then, yeah,
1: drop so it's more to do with the city than it does to do with the I feel like teams. it's
2: that because mm-hmm. I mean that's what Georgia teams do they I mean, have a tendency of having everything that they're supposed to have right. and then
1: just disappear I mean they took a hell of a shot from this 76ers team because think about this this I mean you had you got 20 and 10 from Tobias Harris I already mentioned 39 points 9 rebounds 4 assists and some blocks from Embiid Simmons was perfect from the field 7 of 7 had 17 points 10 assists and Seth Curry had 21 5 of 9 from 3 that's a hell of a shot to take even though you get out to a big league but still able to maintain it when that team counter who's supposed to beat you they
2: almost lost it though that fourth <laughs> quarter was almost textbook Georgia wasn't it now, you cannot tell me because they were because they were at one, up, up one point they had to have been up at least 20 points and so I was in between that game and on my iPad I was watching the, the softball game I was watching the OU yeah. JMU softball game which I feel really bad that they didn't make the cut of anything even though that those games were really really good i was watching before you got here they almost did textbook jimmy yeah. textbook <laughs> georgia
1: things they got outscored eight, 41 to 29 in the fourth quarter
2: exactly and the 76ers basically went on a fourth quarter run that was was everything you would expect from, like I said, a uh, Georgia team. I mean, that, the 76ers at one point were down 107 to 88. Actually, in the second half, Philly outscored them 70 to 54. Right. So I feel like, even though I don't believe in momentum, I do think that Philly's going to come out blazing in the second half prepared on mm. what to do. Trey Young's going to get his. And they doubled the hell out of him in the second half. They started really doubling him and forcing some bad turnovers. They had some bad passes by mm. Atlanta at the end of that game where they almost, like I said, just fumbled the bag. They mm. were lucky enough to secure it. I can see Atlanta just fumbling the bag. Yeah, through the rest I, of the I really series. do
1: want to be against you on this because I like what this Atlanta team is doing, and they really surprised me in the first round against the Knicks. But you do make a lot of <laughs> sense with what you're saying about what we can expect from Philadelphia.
2: The score was 118-104. It was a 14-point lead with three minutes left, and the game was a four-point lead. They had it down to right. two points with 10 seconds left and still almost mm-hmm. lost. Jimmy, that's telling me something right there. <laughs> the John Collins alley-oop was legit. That was beautiful by by Trey, Trey DeBarge, as they're calling him right now. Um, he did, That was dope. That was great exclamation point to hopefully cut things down. And they were up with 16 seconds left, 125 to 118, and somehow it was still with five seconds, aw- six seconds away. Mm-hmm. Six seconds, Jimmy, it became a two-point game. Okay. How are you up 125 to 118, and then six seconds later, you're only up by two points? Cost for concern. Cost for concern? Okay, I'll give you that. <laughs> so... I am going to be a little optimistic that it's going to be good, but I don't know. So, Jimmy? What's on editing room floor? All right, things that did not
1: make it into the show. One of these is really going to surprise you. Um first thing let me find it real quick here uh the brooklyn nets and the bucks played game one
2: yes it was a it was a uh it was a uh invigorating uh
1: competition <laughs> it was <laughs> uh 115 107 brooklyn takes game one after losing james harden in the first quarter after five minutes to huh. what's being called hamstring tightness huh.
2: you don't say hey okay, comment um you don't say <laughs> <laughs> Jimmy isn't this the reason why I told you I was going to bet against him Is mm-hmm. that I expected this to happen He's not going to play game two They've already basically ruled him out Correct. Um, Because of this tightness I'm just waiting for the next domino to fall mm-hmm. That's it I think Milwaukee just kind of got They, they, they couldn't they, hit any shots They couldn't hit any shots One, two um, They were out before Brooklyn Because they got the sweep earlier and so I think they had a little too time, much time off. So I didn't think about that. That roast. yeah, yeah. They, they they I mean they, they they beat the dog at them. And you got to think about it. Most of those uh, Bucks didn't play much. During that series after they started blowing out the heat in games 2, 3, and 4. So, a little rusty. Now they're about to rust off. Well, I think they'll be fine. Well, now, just based upon our bet, I
1: would say you do expect the Bucks to win this series and to go to the Eastern of course. Conference Finals.
2: I'm going to go Bucks in 6.
1: Fair enough. Uh, I got to go. I'm going to go. I got to stick with Brooklyn. I'm going to go Brooklyn in 6. Because mm. I think it is troubling that demoralized as that team was heartbroken after the game they said by losing James Harden in the first quarter. And you still. I mean, they. It was the game was not as close as the score was a victory. It was not as close as that. So that's gotta be a cause for concern. Yep. All right. Sticking with the NBA, everyone's favorite lovable GM, now president of basketball operations in Philadelphia, Daryl Morey has been fined again by the NBA for a $75,000 for a tweet. He posted last week about golden state Warriors superstar, Steph Curry, whose brother Seth Curry is a member of the 76ers. Morey tweeted, join them with a picture of an Instagram post by Curry about his brother Seth uh, who starts for the 76ers he tried to explain it in a subsequent tweet uh, talking about the fact that he was thrilled that they had Seth Seth Curry as a Sixer, but Adam Silver wasn't buying it still got fined 75k for tampering yeah for tampering um is this innocent or is Daryl Morey does he just have blind
2: spots that no president of basketball operations should have so the great herm Edwards always states this when it comes to social media. See a little button right there? Don't press send. Don't do it. Don't press send. That's what that's where we're at. Daryl needs to stop tweeting. He gets He's that one friend and I'll say I'll I'll do this. Okay? I'm typically that guy, I guess, based upon the way people talk about me around my friends and stuff, uh-huh. that I am that guy that occasionally just goes a little too far with a <laughs> joke. Not that I say anything that's truly wrong, right. but it's more so I say something that everybody kind of is like, eh, look Candy, a little cringy. You have a little cringy. too much fun sometimes. Yeah, exactly. I have a little too much fun. that's what Daryl Morey does Daryl Morey is a little too much like me he needs to stop having as much fun he needs Mm -hmm. to pull back on uh, constantly tampering stop talking about other players to other teams players when you know damn well you're gonna get in trouble for it
1: Mm -hmm. I mean you've already cost the NBA millions of dollars last year hundreds with your hundreds of millions they said
2: 200 million 200
1: million dollars how does he still have a never mind mind. it Next (laughs) Lastly (laughs) lastly. All right So Serena Williams The French Open's going on She was knocked out Of the fourth round Of the French Open To Alina Rybakina I believe this was yesterday Yep Jay ending her bid For the coveted 24th Grand Slam On the way to 25 To set the record Um, She's approaching 40 And anytime that she She loses one of these majors We always have this conversation To see if the analysis changed Jay do you think That she will win
2: Another major I don't know Um, That's a tough one. But if you want me to be honest, I've gotten to the point when it comes to some of these old players is that I think we need to stop having the narrative conversation of, Oh, will they be able to do it? Can they do it and be more so excited that, man, look at what they're able to do at this age. Look at them still be able to persevere, still be able to perform at a high level. I think we should focus more on that direction and asking questions about if they could do it or not. But
1: I think it's only a fair question to ask and only a good question to ask because this is, what, this is what she's still fighting for. She's done anything any tennis pro, male or female, could
2: ever want to do in tennis. This is the ghost. She's chasing the ghost of Margaret Court. I get That's you. That's why she's doing that. I'm not disagreeing with that at all because you're 100% right. Yeah. I think we should change the approach of how we talk about it and more so an excitement that an older player is still able to even compete at the level she is rather than constantly ask the question, well, she's getting old. Can she
1: do it? Well, I mean, so then you're saying the exact same thing should happen with LeBron James because that's exactly what everybody does with him.
2: Exactly. Same thing with Tom Brady. I've Tom gotten Brady. to that point with Tom Brady, too. I'm, I actually I, I despise the guy specifically because he can constantly, he's not playing, he's, he's still playing. He's still doing things. He's doing he's doing things that are even more than just on the field. So at that point, yeah, why the hell are mm-hmm. we doing that? So
1: I think she wins at least one more. I think she can hit the record too. Yeah. Um she's but gonna, I'm really excited the fact she's that gonna she's get, able to do it she's gonna get her Tiger Woods major. Just that one that I mean is just the Invin story, the story all of, us. of the month. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Yeah.
2: All right, well we appreciate y'all as usual here on Unfair Sports with myself, Jay and Jimmy make sure while you're listening to us at your provider of choice that you rate us and review us. If you're on Apple, um, give us five stars. If you think we deserve it and just give us five anyway, gift it. So for Mike, Bob and Wendy, thank you so much for helping us with the production on the back inside. These podcasts are always put up on our YouTube page as well. So go to our website, www.unfair-sports.com. You'll see the link to YouTube and you can actually see our beautiful smiling faces while we talk about it as well as whatever random t-shirt that i'm wearing for the day so with that make sure uh you hit us up on the unfair fan line as well 430-901-1906 and give us your strongest of opinions and you may end up on the show so um as we grow you'll start hearing more of those calls come in and with that we'll chop it up with you all in a uh, few days Peace. peace